welcome back to your favorite radio program that's not on the radio, the Haunted Heart Podcast. <laughs> wow, Katie, you actually sounded like you could be on the radio. Yeah, man, I could be a shock jockey. Are you sure? I always wanted ah. to be a. I always wanted to be a DJ. Like a like this a, is news to me. An old school disc jockey on the radio. Yeah, I always wanted to be a radio. Seriously? Host. Yeah, man. Downtown Judy Brown. I'm jealous of the shit of that bitch. Like she has my dream job. I would love to do that. Listen, I feel like we kind of do the same the thing. We records. sit and we just talk into the void. Right. It's true. It's it, true. Parallels, right? Yeah. So the only thing is, is that we just don't get paid for it. Somehow we we seem to kind of like capture that like midnight desperation when you are spinning like songs that you know nobody is up listening to you know that they are doing other things with their time in their lives but you you have to make it funny you mm-hmm. know what i mean and and i think that that desperation is something that we capture quite well here at the haunted heart i feel like i feel like so <laughs> i feel like so a lonely disc jockey alone in their recording space just trying to just trying to fucking make themselves smile man yeah Who's that? Uh, who's that other? Oh, Delilah. I think have we talked about her on the Delilah. show? Delilah, don't She's, do her us. voice is so soothing. It is. It is. That's my childhood, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. My mom used to listen to Delilah every night. She's still going it strong, isn't shit. she? I think she is. Yeah. You know, she's a um, recovered or recovering recovered drug addict. Oh wow! She used to do fucking the sauce. Like she used to be in the shit. I don't know what she was on, but it was fucked. Like Delilah I, was fucked up. I really and hope she changed that's her true. Life. And, no, it and, is. No, it totally okay. is. Like she talked about it. It's a whole thing, and it's really kind of beautiful. Like she, she found her way, and you know, overcame her addiction, and now she talks to other people about addiction and about their love lives and. Is kind of sort of a therapist, but not a therapist on a radio program. Hmm. I bet she does mad coke behind the. <laughs> behind no, the leave Delilah alone. She's a success story. Let her be. <laughs> We're proud of her. We're. Pr- I'm proud of you, Delilah. Love somebody tonight. <laughs> yes. But hello, yes, and of course, welcome back to our show, not Delilah's show. Not Delilah's show. No. Although, Delilah, if you're interested in a Patreon exclusive. She's not. Call us. Not at all. Call me. By no means. You we, can email us. We don't, we don't offer that type of support. At the Haunted Heart Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, and you just continue. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you guys? How are you doing? How was How your am I doing? Week? You worked oh, all week. Well, I am amazing, actually. Listen, I'm in a I'm in a good place right now, professionally. Right now, hope it stays that way. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just looking at the world. I'm like, what the fuck you doing, world? Mm-hmm. Life, karma. I, I really hope nothing's coming back around. I'm in a pretty yeah. good place right now. Good. Um, you know, I'm really excited. We've got some uh, cool things on the horizon. We'll be in Chicago next week, so we're excited about that. Yes, we're super excited. Everybody um, in Chicago, come on out to the True Crime Podcast Festival 2019. Yes. At the Marriott. Stranger Things 3 is premiering. When? When's that coming out? Um, On July 4th. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. Got it. Got it. So I'm not uh, a I'm not a huge you know I'm not a huge Stranger Things person. I know I know you watched the first season, but I still say the second season was better than the first season. Okay. The second season kicked. Maybe ass. I need to keep trying then. First season just kept it just felt like we kept trying to start the car, but the car wouldn't quite turn over for me. I mean I love the aesthetic, um, 
I love the look of the show. I love Winona Ryder. I always have. Um, but it just, I don't know, something about it just didn't hook me. Yeah, the second season was much better, in mm. my personal opinion. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm in a pretty good pretty good place. Dare I ask, what about you? <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not important. <laughs> no. All right, and we're just going to skip over that question, ladies and gentlemen. I'm working with my therapist. I'm, no, I'm actually fine. It's just hot as a fucking... You like, wanted this. This under is your titty time. Outside. The summertime, this is your time. This it is, is what you but wanted. it is just like this, this today is just hot as shit. Like I'm dying. It's, and it's not so much to be that typical white person. It's not the heat. It's the humidity that gets you. <laughs> um, but it really is. It's humid as hell here in DC, y'all. We dying. Ch- check on you DC friends. Cause we ain't doing well. I mean, if you just stay inside, like... I'm having to individually lift my titties to just kind of let the sweat underneath them dry. You know, I was talking to your mother one day, and she had her shirt tucked up underneath (laughs) her tits. It's a thing. And I was like, I said, what are you doing? Yeah. And she's like, you have to for the boob sweat. She has a shirt tucked underneath her tits. Otherwise, they just stick to you. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. I tried doing it, but my boobs aren't big enough. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll come in one day. Still waiting. Still waiting on that training bra. (laughs) So we got some motherfuckers to welcome to the family today. Yes, we do. Y'all keep on just making us do shit. (laughs) Y'all just keep on. You keep on keeping on. We love it, but damn. (laughs) (laughs) For some lazy motherfuckers, That's, like y'all, hard on us. I, I know, but it's but it's totally okay because we love you, we and do. we welcome you to our family. We do, and our family is just growing, growing. So I, we have two invocations for today, and I have the honor, nay, the pleasure, of welcoming Bailey P, who is our new trash talent aficionado. Ooh. And I am welcoming Emily A to our cannibal cult again. Damn. I say this every time, but they, they hungry. fucking love it, man. They hungry. I don't understand, but I'm here for it, and I'm going to light your fucking candle. And that's it. Your candles are lit, at least through the episode, but you know, forever and always, in our dark, dark hearts. Thank you guys so much, and if you would like to have an invocation on the show, then you can check us out on Patreon, motherfucker, www.patreon.com slash thehauntedheart. Good job. Yes. You should have you just stayed the course, been confident. We can edit it. Nah, <laughs> I don't want to give 
the people any ideas that I'm confident about anything. <laughs> that we are confident or competent in any way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Join us at Patreon. Um, the Patreon's been a little bit quiet over the past couple weeks. We had a lot of shit going on in our motherfucking lives. But um, we are getting Patreon back on, on track. We're going to do a kind of like a, a re-release, a reorg of Patreon. Do not panic. You will keep all of the current perks that you have if you are currently signed up on the Patreon. Um, but we're just kind of going to do a little shuffle. Going to do a little shuffle. We're going to freshen some things up like a little bit. Like at the bit. poker table, we're going we're gonna to spritzer, freshen her up. Patreon, the redux. Yeah, it's the been a while. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> but we're going to have all kinds of awesome content there on there for you guys. Um, scary story readings uh, with both me and Kenny. Um, we have uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes that we do, which are super cool. This month, we're actually doing a Patreon-exclusive episode on folk horror and the movie Midsummer, which is directed by the guy who directed Hereditary. Who's Ari Esther. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is going to be available. Patreon exclusive episodes are just what they sound like. They're available only on the Patreon. So definitely get over there and join if you would like to check that out. Um, also, we have a, a horror smut series coming up. Ooh, I, I will not be reading that. Yes. <laughs> that's my little red wagon. I will read you guys all kinds of, of nasty shit on there so um they're really great they're really horrible so if you like the bad <laughs> creepypastas that we read and you were like mm, this but with sex get on the patreon they're like no we don't like that actually <laughs> it's really good it's it's funny it's funny it's meant to be a keep, funny thing keep telling yourself that <laughs> if you repeat it then it's true <laughs> so yes um but i think with that i think it's time to get into our topic they're probably sitting here wondering, I've spent the last 10 minutes listening to these motherfuckers talk about bullshit. That's what they came here for. Our bullshit? Yeah. That's kind Maybe. of how we market the show. So Possibly. We'll see. Mm-hmm. They'll let us know. They At least will. Twitter will. They'll let us know. Uh, yes. So, we are going to be discussing, uh, I'm sure some of you probably watch the ID channel. Fuck Do you yeah. watch? Yeah. You yeah. watch the ID channel. Oh, I've been, me and ID channel, we've been in it. We've been in it for way back. What's that? It's uh, investigative discovery. Investigation correct? discovery, my friend. Oh. 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 Investigation discovery. Okay. And I, I've been there. I don't know if they still have the commercial because I haven't watched it in a while. Um, but I don't know if they still have the commercial that's like investigation discovery. But that was always fun. Ah, uh, okay. Well. Since you know everything. Whispered. It was like early ASMR. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That was back in the days when, when we didn't have nothing but investigation discovery to watch our true crime. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have fucking Oxygen Channel turning itself into the fucking murder channel for women. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have these things that you youngsters have yeah. today. That's true. That's very true. But there's a particular show in there called Fear Thy Neighbor. And we thought that that would be an interesting subject to talk about. Um, Me, having recently dealt with a very awful neighbor situation, um, truly awful. Like, my mental health was so bad. It was (laughs) suffering because of it. It was kind of like living in, uh, in, if you've seen the movie, A Quiet Place... That's what my life was like. <laughs> I was fucking uh, 
Emily Blunt in the fucking bathtub giving birth, trying to do that quietly and not make a sound because the fucking monster will come and fucking destroy your fucking bloodline if you do. So that's my inspiration behind this week's episode. (laughs) So, yes. Yeah. I remember Fear That Neighbor. It was really cool. It was, uh, I always liked that show, but it freaked me out because I was like, mm, yeah, mm, mm, yeah, you got to watch people it. People around you be it. scared. You got to watch it. Now, we all know uh, that you're supposed to love your neighbor. That's one of the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. What is it? Oh, I have it. I actually happen to have it pulled up right here. Oh, my God. Jesus said unto him, thou Are shalt love. Scripture? I am. On this, uh, on this podcast. Are you reading scripture? On this podcast. Uh. I'm sure the lines will just burn up. Hmm. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. He wants every fucking thing. Hmm. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now. I have some issues with that. Mm. What happens when you don't love your neighbor? What happens when your neighbor is a conniving, soul-sucking piece of shit? (laughs) Huh? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I mean, I guess you bake them a pie or something. That's what you would do. You would (laughs) bake them a pie. I would. With some good, good epigag. Never <laughs> underestimate it. <laughs> what the epigag? fuck? Epigag? Have you never heard of epigag? No. Makes you. Oh, it makes, makes you, you gag. <laughs> makes you. Makes you gag. No. Did you actually? Um, I think this was in the news last year. I thought it was sure. recent, but <laughs> I hate when that happens. I'm like scrolling through Facebook and I'll see where like somebody died, and then I check the date, and I'm like, "Fuck, they died like four years ago." I, I already this, this. I thought this was recent, but its last update was September 23rd, 2018. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> what happened? No, it was this father and son who was accused of. Um, uh, their neighbor's death, so they are facing murder charges over a box spring that was in a fucking alleyway between their homes. What the hell? Yeah, so apparently the father and son got irritated, or they had gotten into, like, uh, apparently they had had some issues in the past, but you have this father and son, and then this other gentleman who lives next door with his common-law wife, mm-hmm. as they say, mm-hmm. uh, and their daughter... And apparently there was an issue over the box springs. I'm not really sure how, but the father and son ended up pulling up a gun and a shotgun. Shit. Um, on them, and they were having an argument, and it's all caught on video. You can actually see the video. It's rather disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, neighbor got mad because they pulled guns when their their child was there, was around. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the two men can be heard, the father and son can be heard saying, like, I will I will fucking kill you. I will shoot you. And the other guy's like, you're not going to fucking shoot me. Point your gun at me. You're not going to shoot me. Mm-hmm. And then they fucking shoot him mm-hmm. and kill him. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy shit. Over a fucking box spring. A box spring. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Who did the box spring even belong to? I'm not really 100% sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, but um, 
they were both arrested, father and son, and they both actually got out on bond initially for $25,000 each. Um, but then they were taken into uh, custody again when the court reviewed their bonds and raised them to $250,000 each. Mm. So then they got put back in jail. So, yeah. They face charges of first-degree murder, apparently. Hmm. But it's crazy. You can actually see it. It's on CNN. Hmm. But that's the shit. It's like... People lose their mind. There's definitely something that happens with, like... You and I kind of grew up in fairly... Like, in a fairly rural area. We've talked about it on the show before. And, um... Like, I always had plenty of space. Like, I lived in a neighborhood, but, like, the houses were pretty far apart. So, like, I could walk around my house naked. I could do, you know, whatever. Um, and What difference does that make? You live true. up on people now, and you still walk around naked. Well, it's true. Um, but I could walk around naked without people, probably without people seeing me. Now, they definitely see me, but they just look away. Or <laughs> keep looking. I don't really care as long as you stay over there and I stay over here. Okay? Um, But, yeah, so I I guess to kind of, like, understand – I guess that's why Fear Thy Neighbor, um, the ID show, always interested me because it was, like, I I didn't quite – understand what happens to like people's minds when they're like right up underneath each other and you can hear everything that the other person is doing and you have you know maybe you have some slight tendency towards mental instability to begin with or maybe you don't maybe you're totally fine but um just a combination of different stressors can really drive people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do and stuff that's like you know like murder um really really heinous things and so it's kind of interesting that just obviously it's never just one thing Mm -hmm. that gets people to that point but but kind of a combination of different things and how those things can stack up on top of each other and then eventually become unbearable and you have somebody who like mentally just breaks yeah um and unfortunately a lot of times the victims uh, in situations like that have they have nothing to do with anything that's going on with that other person. Right. You know, they're totally oblivious, totally innocent, totally just doing their own thing. And, you know, they're being victimized by someone. Um, There've been issues with like stalking. There was a story. um, I don't have the details on it, but I remember a story from a couple of years ago where there was this woman who um, something, things were being moved around in the house, I think. Or something, like something was going on, and they actually found, she lived in an apartment complex, they actually found that her neighbor, or a condo, I think it was a condo, her neighbor had an attic access in his home, and everybody did in that particular complex um, on their closets, because she was on the top floor, and the neighbor went through the attic access to the, to the attic, crawled across the rafters, and then came down her attic access in the night, Oh, and then came no. out of her closet into her bedroom. And the way that they finally figured it out is they set like a camera up oh, um, at shit. night in the room and they caught him on camera, like coming out of her closet and just like standing there. See, no, ma'am, I can't deal with that. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That's like that found footage shit. And you just see people. No, mm-hmm. that freaks me the fuck out. Only it was real. And it was like an actual human who was doing this. Like very scary. Yeah, that freaks me out. That fucking like. People living in your walls and you don't fucking know it shit. That yeah. that terrifies the fuck out of me. Yeah. So like on the one hand, like I remember when I first moved out, 
because I, I would always get scared when my mom wasn't home as a kid because we, you know, we lived at the middle of a dead end road in the middle of nowhere. So if somebody came in my house to murder me, like there's really nowhere to run. And when I first moved out like to college and then um, afterwards when I had my own apartment, I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is fine because there are people all around me. So if somebody like was to come here to murder me, then at least you're going to have like witnesses and at least, you know, somebody will be around and I can just run to the next apartment door. But, you know, then of course you get into watching Fear Thy Neighbor and maybe it is the next apartment door that is the danger. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very it's a very interesting topic to me as far as like just thinking about how things can pile up on a person and make them do something unthinkable. Yeah, definitely. I would completely agree. That's actually part of, um, that actually goes hand in hand with my story that I am going to talk about today. So, uh, I actually pulled my story from the, the ID channel. So thank you. ID channel. Please don't fucking sue me. (laughs) Actually, they don't even do Fear Thy Neighbor anymore. So, I mean, honestly, you should just let me do whatever the fuck I want, I feel like. <laughs> Everybody go back and watch Fear Thy Neighbor after this. <laughs> yeah, some views. Yeah, I think you can probably views. still get it through their streaming service. Yeah, you can. You can actually do it online, but you have to have like that fucking it's like a cable sign in yeah from your cable provider yeah. and i'm like i think no. you if you have um roku i think you, you can actually buy id channel by itself you can actually watch the first season for free right now okay on their id channel well there you go bam go ahead and get it go get, get, get that you some ID. streaming that is true investigation discovery sorry investigation discovery investigation we have to say it like that investigation discovery, discovery. yeah we might get sued for that Oh. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you what. If we haven't been sued by now, by any number of people, then I think we're good. <laughs> the motions are just waiting. They're like already filed. <laughs> yes. Um, so my story uh, is about Catherine and Jason James. So Catherine mm. and Jason James uh, were newlyweds at this time. I believe it was like in the 90s. When this uh, whole thing happened. Um, so they moved into their brand new home. It was a dream home uh, for Catherine. Uh, she said it reminded her of her grandmother's home. And that she had always wanted a house like her grandmother's home. She said it was the tallest house on the street. Uh, and then just everything that she could ever want. Because that's the other thing, right? Like when you're dealing with these situations with neighbors, like your home is your safe is your safe space, right? Mm-hmm. So when things, you know, especially if they're around you in such a close uh, in such a close way, they make you feel threatened. Like the threat is higher, I feel like, or mm-hmm. makes you feel like it's higher because it's your home. It's around your home. Yeah. Well, your home is your, like you said, your home is your safe space. Your home is your, um, there's a lot to do with uh, home invasions um, as far as therapy goes. It's a lot harder to um, work with somebody who has experienced a trauma inside their home, meaning somebody broke into their home or forced entry to their home, and then the trauma happened inside their home rather than out, you know, at a shopping mall or, you know, in a restaurant or trauma that happens outside the home is a lot easier to heal than trauma that happens inside the home normally making a general statement obviously it's different depending on the individual but there's something about 
the experience of having your home violated in such a visceral way that um, it, it's really hard for people to come back from because it, it often creates PTSD and all sorts of really bad stuff. Yeah. And I think it also puts up more of a, almost more of a, a fight instinct versus the flight because it's your home. Right. You obviously want to protect that safe right. space, right? Right. And it's a lot harder to flee from your home because be it if you're on a lease or you have a mortgage, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of like, even if like you want to move, sometimes you just can't fucking move away from your neighbor. Right. like you can't get there and so you're kind of stuck which only exacerbates that like agitation right um so dennis and wanda lassick live next door to Catherine and jason um dennis and wanda both had children um there was also another neighbor beside them uh, an elderly lady by the name of sally swanson Mm -hmm. so it went sally Catherine and jason and then dennis and wanda in this little, like, you know, three-home uh, block or whatever you want to call it. Like a duplex, but like a triplex. I don't think it was, but it was like they were just situated very closely together, these three homes were. Oh, okay. Um, so it kind of would initially appear that, you know, Catherine found her, her, her home that she really loved. It was kind of like a dream place and her own little, like perfect little slice of heaven. So, uh, it really, you know, fucking sucked when things went absolutely stir fucking crazy. So Kathy decides, uh, one day she wants to head, she wants to head next door to Wanda's to try and make friends. She thought that they could hang out and have fun. And after a while, they became friends and were very neighborly with each other. They got to know their kids and Kathy actually started to babysit for Wanda. And things were really going great um, until they weren't. Mm. Uh, One day while watching the kids, um, the Lassick's daughter, Denise, ended up hurting herself. And Catherine helps take Denise to the hospital um, and helps get her situated. Nothing major. Um... But Wanda's husband, Dennis, like, wasn't too thrilled. Mm. He was like, why is she getting hurt when she's over there or whatever? Um, And he was also really super fucking irritated with how close Kathy and Wanda had become. Mm. So Wanda didn't really have a lot of friends. And it soon became apparent that Dennis was kind of partly to blame for that. He was very jealous, uh, didn't really want her to have friends. Um, So you sort of see, like, the picture there. So, you know, having another woman next door, you know, they sort of bonded. Uh, Now, you're living in a neighborhood, especially one with kids, you got to know that that comes with noise. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just inevitable. Um, and the noise really started to irritate Wanda's husband, Jason. Oh, is he a podcaster? No, not <laughs> at all. Because I can relate. No. Just I found think... my relatable character. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Let's hmm. see how the story goes. <laughs> um, hmm. No, but the kids would like had like play with uh balls and stuff like that and sometimes throw them up against the house they were used to doing that because the house had been empty and then like just they really weren't thinking they were just being kids yeah and it would just infuriate jason to the point to where he started to get like it was between the two husbands now 
So Jason would lash out because of the kids, and then Dennis would lash out because Jason's like trying to talk smack about the fucking kids. So these two men really were not on, you know, good terms. Mm. And they were being men, Mm. obviously. But their wives are quite friendly. At this point, their wives are quite, quite friendly with each other. So, and because these houses were not, I mean, were right up on each other, obviously you hear when people are fucking arguing and fighting and yelling, which Wanda and Dennis uh, did a lot of. Kathy and Jason would often hear them arguing all throughout the night and going back and forth. Um, And it was also at this time that Jason started to show signs of domestic violence against his own wife, Kathy, as well. Mm. So um, you kind of start to see these two women um, connect and being brought together by their own situations. Like, neither one is, like, you have one who's in, like, an obvious, like, unhappy, unhealthy relationship, and then you have one who's, like, they're newlyweds, and then he's starting to, like changes colors a little mm, bit mm-hmm. right yeah so doesn't sound like either one of them have winners no pretty much so kathy and wanda are trying to figure out like all right tensions are really high between our husbands and then like the neighborhood in general so they wanted to figure out a way to sort of bring everybody together so they decided to organize a block party for the neighborhood okay And everything actually started out really well. Like, everybody was getting along. Things ran pretty smooth up until nightfall when a car drove past the barricades and, like, kept going. Wait, what barricades? The barricades so they set up like barricades party? for the block oh, party because yeah, they were they, in the they, street. They like roped off the road. Yeah, Got and you. a car. What year was this? Drove in like the nineties, I think. Oh, okay. I don't think you can fucking do that now. Probably. I don't think can't. you get to just close the road. Like, I think you. I think you have to call the police. <laughs> they maybe they did. I don't maybe. know. Maybe they maybe had they like authority decision. to do that. I don't cool. know. Um, but this car just sort of drove you have to right past it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Great, Katie. <laughs> If you're if you're if you're thinking of organizing a block party, you have to fill out a form. Maybe that is from the Haunted Heart podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Look into it. Let us know. Check your local. If, laws. if there's any city planners, if you just want to email me at the Haunted Heart Podcast at gmail.com, I'd really like to know. Just um, just check your local laws. <laughs> check with your local law enforcement. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to help you out. Sure. Um, All right. So somebody uh, clearly has doesn't have no much regard disregard. for the law. <laughs> no regard they, for the law. Um, they're just driving through. No. and But I mean, this is like dangerous because obviously it's barricaded. You have people in the fucking street, kids on top of that, who are like playing in the street. Um, and so Wanda's husband, like it pissed him off. He got so fucking angry, started throwing shit around threw fucking trash cans around, was like, and had almost hit the fucking, one of the kids with a fucking trash can. So like the car went on about itself, didn't hit anybody, even though, you know, you're still a piece of shit driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it had Maryland plates. It probably anyway. did. <laughs> um, and so everyone's trying to like get him to calm down. And Kathy being one of them. And I think he said, she said something to him that really pissed him off, and he, like, went off on her, which then caused her husband to go off on him. And then they begin, the two men begin fighting in the street. So they are now physical at this point, fighting and whatnot. So at this point, the lines are pretty much drawn between the two. 
um, sides are taken and nobody's kind of like it's unspoken, like don't talk to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the neighbors continue to have issues. So at, we're starting to see a point where now the two wives have issues because they're being um, sort of turned by their husbands. Like they're being turned against each other mm. by their husbands. Um, the two houses actually shared a water line with the main line being in Wanda's house. And prior to all the arguing, they had an agreement to split their water bill since they shared right. the same water line. Well, because Jason wanted to be a fucking dick, he stopped paying it. And so Dennis shut their water off. Mm. And so the two go back and forth. Um, and then at this point, the two wives um, start getting into it. Jason would come out and find that his truck had been shot up by a BB gun with the windows busted out. And Kathy would bring the police into it, which irritated Wanda. Because mm-hmm. she's like, why are you calling the police for all this other stuff? But I'm like, bitch, if I come out my fucking car is shot up, I'm calling the fucking police. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Right. Do we know who shot up their car? I mean, not not officially, but like probably the couple Wanda and um and Dennis did have a BB gun because mm. they Wanda and Kathy would often like do target practice in the back in the backyard. Got you. Got so, you. I mean, it was quite Pretty clear obvious. that yeah. that's um. See, that's too that's too obvious of a way to get on somebody's nerves. You have to figure out what tiny, like little insignificant thing it is that gets yeah. on their nerves and then just fucking exploit the hell well, out that's of what it. Kathy's... Like clicking a pen yeah. or popping your gum or something like that. That's true. Um, Kathy started uh, doing anything she could to actually get the police involved. So like anything that she could do, she would call the city on them. She was kind of being kind of being one of those like people. She's like, oh, your grass is too high. I'm going to call, call the city. Like, that's kind of where mm, this was going. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you so... bought beige rocks for your <laughs> mailbox lining instead of gray rocks. Right. We'll have to inform the Homeowners Association. Exactly. I hate bitches like that. Man, that's kind just of fucking what, don't what look at my goddamn doing. rocks if you don't like what color they are. Yeah. Just don't look at them. Right. Just don't look over here, hun. Look the other way. So, uh, so the couple thought that their troubles were over uh, when Wanda and Dennis separated and they saw Dennis moving out. So they thought, okay, Dennis, who was one of the main instigators, instigators, instigator, yes. instigator. I was thinking of a gator for some reason. I don't gator. know. Gator. <laughs> Go Gators. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they thought that everything, like, all right, we might chill out now, right? Like, we could be, we could be cool. No, not the case. Um, at one point, Wanda had a friend over, a gentleman who was fixing something in her yard, and when the other couple, the neighbors were walking by, I think Jason had made a comment of like, oh, it's about time you get that fixed or something like that, which caused their friend, a gentleman, to say i'll burn your house down <laughs> and this is just some random dude it's wanda's friend who's helping her right. fix something and he but just turns just around like a and random says, motherfucker yeah oh my god he turns around you and don't even says, go here i'll burn your house down you don't what? even go here get out what are you doing 
And then a few days later, they discover a Molotov cocktail on their property. Oh, shit. Yes. So this makes the Jameses nervous, and so they start staying at a motel on nervous the weekends. Nervous is a good word for it. <laughs> nervous. We're concerned. Um, so they start staying at a motel on the weekends, and it was during one of these weekends that they get a call informing them that their home is in flames. Mm. Mm-hmm. Once they arrive on the street, they find that everything is ablaze, including the two homes beside them. Um, Wanda's yeah. house? Wanda's house as well. Also, the little old ladies next door Aww. who's like, she's described in the story as being like a really sweet old lady Aww. who's just minding her business and she worked hard all her life to buy her own home and she was independent and bought it herself and that was hers. You know what? Insurance money, baby. You're going to be fine. You can buy a house in Bali. <laughs> um, go, luckily, go for it, ma'am. Yeah. Luckily, the last six children and the older lady who was in the other house escaped unharmed. But about 20 minutes into the search of the home after the fire, the firemen knew that this was a case of arson because there was a huge red melted plastic gasoline can in the living room. Right. You know, just I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just going to leave this here. Uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. They stepped in and they were like, huh. That is the fucking laziest, <laughs> laziest arsonist. <laughs> just gonna sit this right here it's plastic it'll burn it'll melt it'll melt it'll melt yeah so the question then becomes who done it who burned the fucking houses down i don't know we gonna check on that friend because he didn't seem like he was too stable <laughs> the one who just turned he around did say, and I said i will, I will burn, burn your house. house down yeah so investigators I'd, I'd start there that is it's a good lead suspicious it, it Yes, it's a good lead, I would say. If I was an investigator, that's where I would start. Mm-hmm. So they questioned the neighbors who made it um, no secret that they just didn't fucking like each other. The Joneses obviously pointed out the verbal threats that had been made to them along with the reported Molotov cocktail, which when Wanda was questioned, she had an interesting piece of news for the investigators. She brought up that about a week prior or so to the incident, she noticed Kathy and Jason moving out all of their valuables. Hmm. This obviously changed the direction of the Hmm. investigation. Little did they know, Kathy was already being watched. By who? Girl, what? She was already being watched by the police. One day... Jason casually mentioned to her about burning their house down. The they trying to get money. that insurance money. They for want the to go to Bali. Money. Yeah, he just casually brings it up. Mm. She initially is like, you're fucking crazy. Mm. But he talks her into it. So they find a friend of a friend who says he's willing to burn their house down for a total of $1,000. So this man who was working on Wanda's lawn said, I'll burn your house down. And Jason said, you know what? Not if I fucking burn it down first, motherfucker. (laughs) I bet you that's what gave him the fucking idea. It might have. It actually might have. I'm still going to blame that motherfucker. He's the one who gave him the idea. It might have. But this friend double-crossed them and became an informant for the police. Because you know you can do that shit. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. This is just like that Tanya Harding movie. I'm the best you. friend in that who was like trying to like be like 
the did you watch that movie tanya, no. the, tanya hardy you got to watch it it was really good but the, the best friend in that her boyfriend's best friend is um kind of who i'm imagining as that character as jason mm-hmm. because he like tanya wanted to win and like then the boyfriend comes up with this idea of like hurting the other contestant and then his best the boyfriend's best friend is like let's do it but then he completely fucking botches it so horribly and uh does a horrible job and then the police question him about it and he's like i don't know no tony harding (laughs) like that's who i'm imagining yeah that's he was such a fucking idiot yeah that's kind of that's kind of the vibe that i'm getting from him um, so, because that's what he did. So he heard, you know, they obviously came to him with this offer and he was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But then went and got more money from the police for becoming an informant. He, they weren't even like looking at her. He just brought up them like, Hey, listen, I actually had someone who's trying to get me to burn their house down for insurance money. Job <laughs> money. Give me money. Interesting. And they were like, okay. So they, the, police checked into it um and actually had him wired and all of that stuff and they had her on or had both of them um uh on recording talking about this plan to burn their house down so investigators divulged this information to kathy who didn't know that they knew anything about it right so she's sitting there being you know questioned and then they drop this fucking bomb and she's like the fuck she's that pikachu meme (laughs) (laughs) so she essentially breaks and tells them that they had indeed talked about burning the house down and had an agreement with this gentleman but that she had called it off and this turned out to be true because the police had been monitoring her calls so they had monitored her calling this man and telling him (laughs) no don't do it this is wrong and he did it anyway well to be determined. Okay. So she was he like, said, this you know what? Ridiculous. Fuck this. He forgets he's being watched by the police. <laughs> I'm going to burn this shit down anyway, bitch. Police are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so she tells the man, they're like, we know. We know you called to have it to, to stop it. So again, we're at this point. Who did it? Kathy then mentions overhearing a conversation between her husband and his brother where his brother said he would do it for $500. So Kathy goes to, now none of this is confirmed that it wasn't like a solid deal. I think what was happening was they were all hanging out and, I guess the two brothers were just fucking shooting the shit in the back. And he was like, I'd fucking do it for $500 or some bullshit like that. Mm. Kathy didn't really think too much of it. I guess until her fucking house burnt down, right? (laughs) (laughs) So she mentions that to the police. She actually goes to a radio shack. God bless your radio shack. You know what? You know it's the 90s. A moment of silence for radio shack. You know it's the 90s. Don't um, they, aren't they still around, but I now they call themselves The Shack? I'm not sure. Which is, which is kind of weird. I haven't seen a Radio Shack, but I don't, maybe. I don't know. Uh, she purchases a wire, which I didn't know you could fucking do. You, I didn't know you could just go to the Radio Shack and purchase a fucking You know what? It was a, a wild, wild frontier out at the Radio Shack in the 90s. Maybe. So she heads to her brother-in-law's job to try and get a confession. But... Unfortunately, doesn't get anything truly admissible. Also, I don't think that's how that works. I don't think you can just go and do that, and then that's admissible in court. 
Yeah. Right? Um, you mean like just recording somebody? Yeah. Well, it depends on the laws in the state. So if it's a, um, I forget what the term is, like a one-party state or like a, yeah, I guess I, I think it is one party. Um, so like Virginia, I know that in Virginia, we are a one-party state where um, if I walk into an, a conversation with you and I know it's being recorded, then it is admissible in court because one party knows that they're being recorded. If neither party knows that they're being recorded, it's not admissible. Mm. But if one party knows, then it's fine. Okay. Um, he denied it. But that does differ by state. Yeah. So don't you take that advice. <laughs> I, we don't give legal advice here. No, we don't. We are not lawyers. No. Or doctors or mental health professionals. Uh, so he, she didn't really get anything truly admissible from him. I believe he denied it several times. Um, and they were kind of going back and forth and then he casually let it slip. Um, I guess in like a fit of rage that, you know, you have no idea how scared I was when I thought I was going to die because I couldn't get the door open. So she, she has him saying that, um, which I'm guessing is why the, um, the gasoline tank was in there. Mm -hmm. So I believe what happened was he went in, started the fire, went to go to try to get out, open the door. And I think the door was locked and he couldn't get out. And I think he dropped the can and like fled. Mm. But again, apparently none of this was admissible. So the judges state that while they, while, while he knew that Kathy did not commit the crime, he wanted to teach her a lesson and slapped her with 10 to 20 years <laughs> for yeah, conspiracy to commit arson. Damn. She served six and a half years, but both her husband and his brother got away scot-free. The fuck? The mm -hmm. people who actually did the shit didn't get any time? Yep. They didn't serve. But you gonna send time. her? Nah. Yep. Fuck that. How she did that shake down? Six and a half years. She's still married to him. No, they I don't got think a divorce. So. They got show. a divorce. Mm. That's some bullshit. I'm gonna teach you, know what? you a lesson. This all would have just been better if Wanda and Kathy had just been less. I mean, I you thought that. Saying? So when I was, if it's not working out, I thought we were headed. I that thought way. that's where we were headed to. I when definitely I, thought we were headed to a love triangle. When I was researching, yeah, when I was researching the story, I thought that's where it was going because they were like. Oh, they started like you we know have doing husbands. target practice in the background with the yeah, with a yeah. with a shot uh, with yeah. a BB gun. I was like, mm -hmm. oh okay, got to correct like, your got to correct your form, girl. I thought we were gonna go like they were both in on it, burn the mm -hmm. houses down with their husbands in it, mm -hmm. or killed them, and then fucking went off and lived happily ever after together. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> uh, so that's my story. Of two neighbors who just started out as friends and then ended up just burning Man, each other's that shit. was crazy. We ever took on that person also, who drove through the fucking block party, nah. though? Because I feel like that guy. You now, know who that motherfucker was? Probably the same guy who threatened to burn their fucking house down. Probably. That friend who had nothing to do with the situation but is just living their life in the most fucking probably. insane way. Um, the little old lady who lived next door, um, the burning down of her house like really affected her horribly. Um, and she like never kind of like got over losing her home. I didn't need that. No, so... she, she went to Bali with that insurance money. <laughs> I believe she probably did get insurance money, but she was honestly the true victim here. 
between these two, I feel like. She lost her home because these two people were fighting. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's when you need to bring back Kanan. You remember Kanan? <laughs> when when you just beat a motherfucker with just a beat cannon a Yeah, that used to be a thing. That used to be a thing. It's yeah. around July 4th. We're celebrating America. Kanan used to happen in Congress, like, quite frequently. Now it's they still engage in Kanan, but it's behind closed doors, you know. All right. So they Katie. pay somebody to Kanan now. <laughs> what you got for us today? Because <laughs> I've tried desperately <laughs> to steer that fucking shit show away from wherever the fuck you were going. All right. So I have a case. Um, it's quite recent. Um, quite. It's quite, quite recent. Um, this happened in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Ah, Maryland. Um, and I drew a lot of my research from an article for the Baltimore Sun that was written by Alex Mann and Tim Prudente. I think it's Prudente. It might be prudent, but it's got an E on the end of it, so I'm going to pronounce it Prudente. I'm sorry, Tim. I hope I, hope I did prudent. it right. I hope I did good. Um... But yes, so uh, credit to them for this story. But uh, it happened April of this year, April oh, 2019. Shit. Okay. Yes. Uh, this is the tragic murder of Tyreek T.J. Hudson. So, Tyreek Hudson um, lived in Colonial Square Apartments in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Um, he had just moved in. He graduated early from North Carolina A&T University. Hey. Yeah, go Aggies. Hey. Uh, he was a year and a half early with his graduation, and he, for, by all reports, was an incredibly intelligent young man um, and did very well for himself. He um, was recruited by several i mean he was kind of headhunted by several different defense contractors and um he eventually ended up signing i think with northrop grumman 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 northrop grumman i hate the name of that fucking company because it just sounds so terrible in your mouth sounds awful i mean it just sounds like supplying guns to children in war-torn <laughs> countries right i mean like just the pronunciation maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh just sounds like warmongering. Anyway, um <clears throat> so Tyreek Hudson uh grew up in Wilson, North Carolina. So he was a good old Southern boy. Good. And he never missed school or church. He was soft spoken, he was very studious, um, and he apparently really liked superhero movies, and he was a huge fan of LeBron James. Uh his mom helped him find the apartment that was really close to his office in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and they liked Colonial Square because it seemed bright and cheerful. They had a bunch of, like, red and yellow tulips that were printed out front and a lot of welcome banners and signs um, stating that it was pet-friendly and energy-efficient. Um, and so in summer of 2018, Tyreek moves in. Um Soon enough, he was, I mean, he, he really, by everybody's account, sounds like he was an incredibly, like, pleasant human being and, like, just a good person. Like, he helped his uh, neighbor, um, Nora Ayali. I think she was, like, a little, like, older, but he would help carry her groceries. 
and he would smile and wave to everybody. And his neighbor, Sherelle um, Hunigan, who was downstairs from him, said that he would always smile and wave to her whenever he saw her. Um, he didn't throw parties. Um, there weren't any girls running around. He was really, really polite, and he just seemed like he was a really good guy. Um, okay. And the same held true, you know, his, his coworkers at Northrop Grumman said the same thing about him. Uh, apparently, they went bowling and watched movies and um, kind of rode school scooters all over downtown Baltimore, and everybody said that, um, even his manager said that he was a bright and promising engineer. Nice. So, um, months go by, um, and he... You know, he, he tells his father, clearly he's friendly with people in the neighborhood, but he makes specific mention to his dad that he never really spoke to the guy who lived directly below him. And the man living directly below him was named James Verombek. 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 He was 53. Um, and nobody quite knew how long he had been living in Colonial Square. Um, neighbors couldn't really tell you. They didn't really know very much about him. Um, but they did know that they tried to avoid him because he they would always kind of notice him muttering to himself and he would ser- he had this weird habit of searching the dumpster. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he carried a, a ring of a bunch of different keys on his hip and he would curse angrily if he was like fumbling for one and his his front door was always kind of cracked slightly open almost as if he was looking out. So sounds like me almost. <laughs> except your door's not cracked open so so that you're looking out. <laughs> we tried to avoid him at all costs, is what they tell me at work. But no one really knew how much James Verombeck was apparently struggling and how um explosive his issues could be. Um, he had an ex-wife, uh, who lived about 30 miles south from Colonial Square, and she says that they had a very brief marriage, but that it was incredibly tumultuous and that it basically left her scarred for life. Um, she met him at a girlfriend's party in 2006 and he asked her out. She said he seemed sweet and that they got married later that year and that everything was going great. And then suddenly everything changed. She said as soon as they got married, it was like night and day. She said, quote, it was like I was the enemy and he was coming for me, end quote. Mm-mm. So she had two children. Um, and Salter had two children from a previous relationship that she entered her marriage with Verombeck with. Um, and, I mean, you know how kids are. They kind of just like, they're kids. They're fucking learning shit and they don't know how things are supposed to be, and they're not necessarily the most responsible. But her son apparently left a faucet dripping in the bathroom, and she said he absolutely, Verombeck absolutely erupted. Um, And he, like, blew up and was aggressive with the kid. Um, And Salter said that his, his punishments never fit the crime, that he would get really mad and not talk, but he would look at you like he wanted to kill you over something small, like leaving the faucet going. Um, she was a good mom and ultimately, um, made, 
the right decision. She said, I didn't want my kids growing up feeling like they were working on eggshells. So she's filed for divorce after a year and a half. Okay. Which, applause for her. Yes, totally. Because all too often in these true crime stories, we hear people who stayed together who should not have fucking stayed together. We stayed together for the kids. Which is fucking, no. Sometimes, no. Fuck that. No. You look at my kid wrong, and you can get the fuck out of my house. I don't even care if you my kid's daddy. You look at him wrong. You go on. I'll knock you the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I'm the violent person. No. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so they they uh, eventually got divorced, um, but he, he she filed for divorce, but he asked her to marriage counseling. Um, but shortly after that, it didn't, didn't turn out so good because she found him on dating websites. Even then, he begged her to continue counseling, but she called it off. She said, fuck that. And they got divorced in March of 2010. But Ann Salter said she frequently thought that she saw his car driving past her house. Fucking stalker. In the weeks after the divorce, she said that she saw Verombeck in her rearview mirror when she was driving to work to her kids' daycare and other places. She got really worried um, on a couple different occasions, and when she would spot him following her, she would head to the closest police station, and he would kind of veer off. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't want none of that law. Nah, he didn't order. want that. He didn't want none of that smoke. Uh, she said, quote, I thought he was going to kill me in front of my kids, end quote. Uh, she filed for a protective order and an Anne Arundel County judge granted it to her, but he, Verumbeck violated it right away. Um, it was May 2010 and a warrant was issued for his arrest for violating the protective order. Um, Ann Sauter later said that she felt the protective order saved her and her children. She told the court that she, but she made the decision that, um, I guess the court asked her in that sort of situation because he violated the protective order against her and a warrant was issued for his arrest. And I guess when they arrested him, they asked her like if she wanted to press charges mm-hmm. and like actually put him in jail. And she said no. No. Lock his fucking ass up. So he promised to stay away. And it seems like he did. Weeks went by, then months, then years. And it was all quiet for Ann Salter and her kids. In February, though, um, so that was uh, so that was years before. That was 2010. Yeah. Um, in February of 2019, Tyreek Hudson was taking out the trash when he noticed someone watching him. It was about 10 a.m. on February 16th. And he saw that the man was, he, he noticed the man because he was wearing a bright green shirt. Mm-hmm. Hudson would describe the encounter in his own request for court protection. When Tyreek stepped into the hallway, Verombeck was waiting in the green shirt. He said, quote, you knew this day was coming. You know what you did. The fuck? And obviously Tyreek is... Totally confused. He, when he wrote to the judge for a protective order, he said, I didn't know what he was talking about. Um, and he wrote that Verombeck drew his thumbs, his thumbs across his neck in the death gesture. Are you serious? Which, 
I when we when you think about it, like it seems like a fucking crazy person like doing this shit to you would be like it it almost seems like it would be funny until you imagine like what it would actually be like if you were taking your fucking trash out and this motherfucker that you've never really had anything to do with. You may have seen him in passing. But you've never spoken to him. He all of a sudden he just steps the fuck out in front of you, blocks you from going where you're going, and says, "You know, you knew this day was coming. You know what you did." And then draws his fucking thumb across his neck. First of all, I don't even think that's the way you do it. I think it's supposed to be your forefinger. So fuck him for that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. So it, I mean, that sounds like one of those things that would I'd almost laugh at, but. <laughs> But, like, if you imagine I, what it must have been like, it sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely imagine that. It's just such a, like, it's so out of place. It's right. like... It's incongruous. Right. I'm like, what? Yes. So, shortly after, Tyreek Hudson did exactly what he should have done. He called 911, and then he called his dad, who was living in North Carolina at the time. And his dad said that, um, his dad Tyrone said that he remembered his son was really upset. And then he kept saying, quote, I've never seen this guy a day in my life. So the same day, I mean, this it breaks my heart because this kid did everything right. He did everything right. He called 911. He called, he called 911 and reported it. He called his dad, talked to his dad. And then that same day, he filled out the papers for a peace order. Mm-hmm. And three days later, he walked into a courtroom in Glen Burnie for the hearing. So the judge that was involved was Debbie Patterson Russell, who about two months earlier had left the bench in Baltimore. A state panel that um, like is responsible for overseeing judges had found that Russell had screamed at her colleagues in Baltimore and pushed one courthouse staffer and that she also neglected her paperwork. But I'm thinking if you're yelling at people and pushing people uh, physically, yeah. it's probably not such a big deal that you're not doing your fucking paperwork. But Yeah, I, mean, I think there's some other issues there, honestly. But you are a job. Like, you're a judge. Like, that's what you do. You, did you say you are a job? You are a job. No, you're a judge. <laughs> you are a job. You are a job. I mean, <laughs> technically in this country, you might be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, hang on to your, your you-ness. Don't let this country define you. No, um... So, obviously, we think of judges as, like, having a certain personality, like, being pretty even keel and, you know, not being overly emotional or hot-headed. But clearly, this motherfucker had a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, clearly. Documented. Um, the panel at Receipts. that Receipts. We have them. Yes. So, at the point that Russell was removed from the bench in Baltimore, that same panel who removed her also recommended that she be suspended for six months. And the Maryland Court of Appeals was actually actively considering that. But they hadn't removed her yet. So at that point in time, on February 19th of 2019, she was presiding over a district court in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And she was presiding over Tyreek Hudson's case. Mm-hmm. So both Tyreek Hudson and Veronica come in to her courtroom for this peace order. Basically, she asked um, what started this friction, 
And Tyreek said, you know, that's what I'm trying to figure out. This is our very first encounter. And, you know, he seems really mad and I don't know why and nothing happened. And I'm just trying to figure it out. Um, so the judge posed the same question to Brombeck and he said, your honor, I found out that he was videotaping me in my home. He had hidden a camera in my apartment. And the judge said, you know, how do you know he's been watching you? And Brombeck said that he would hear Hudson's steps overhead. Quote, I'm in my apartment and I put on an adult DVD I hear him walk across the living room. I hit the stop button and I hear him walk away. This is really hitting home for me <laughs> right now, by the way. Just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> just FYI. I'm just throwing that out there for you. So Verombek said he had tested this over and over again. The footsteps would return when he started his video, he told the judge. His porno. As if the person above were watching too. Quote, he'll get up from his chair and start walking down the hallway. He's watching me. He had a camera that he ran down through. And at that point, it was in the court records, it was cut off. I, don't, I guess he was trying to say through the walls or through the through floor or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the judge asked Verombeck if he'd ever seen the camera with his own eyes. And Verombeck answered no. Um, and the judge said, you just kind of infer it because he moves around in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, um, you know, basically the judge has a conversation, um, with, with Tyreek Hudson in front of Verombeck and says, you know, you're not recording him, are you? And Tyreek Hudson, of course, says no. Um, and the judge just told Verombeck, he's not recording you. He's not videotaping you. Okay. He's not watching what you're doing. Do you understand? And then Russell denied Tyreek Hudson his peace order. But she encouraged the two neighbors to get along. She denied the peace order? And said, maybe you can be more neighborly in the future. Ah, fuck. In two months, on April 15th of 2019, Tyreek Hudson would be gunned down in the stairwell of his apartment building before two witnesses. After a 10-hour standoff, police would burst through the walls into Verombek's apartment, arrest him, and charge him with the murder. Shit. Yeah. Well, do we know, like, what instigated that incident? Like, what? No. Like, he um, was probably the, just fucking walking. Yeah. Walking the, the down. The details, or... it sounded like he just kind of, um, that Tyreek had left his apartment and they, um, or Verombeck just bum rushed him. Um, and he was also he was also a grounds worker. This the the murderer um, was a grounds worker for in Arundel County Schools, which is really what scary. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, now there's been a couple hearings. Obviously, this is a really recent case, so there's not like a lot of um, details on how things shook out um, with Brumbeck. But uh, at a bail hearing, um, pretrial services said that he suffered from schizophrenia. Uh, prosecutors said that he confessed to the murder, um, and he's currently being held without bail at the Jennifer Road Detention Center in Annapolis. So the court date, I believe, is August 2nd of this year, um, and that's when we'll find out more about 
about his sentencing. But clearly, you know, this is, there's a lot going on in this case. Um, there's somebody who's obviously str- struggling with some sort of mental illness, not saying that's an excuse, but there's somebody who's struggling with some sort of mental illness um, that's been kind of documented over the years. Um, you have an innocent young man who was full of promise and potential and by all accounts was incredibly intelligent, incredibly kind and sweet and generous and giving of his time. Um, and the type of rare person who will, you know, smile at people in the community and wave at them and kind of like, you know, check on, on folks and help people with their groceries Mm -hmm. and make the world like not so shitty. Right. And unfortunately, um, you know, just because of a set of certain circumstances and certain things coming together in a sick mind, the way that they did, um, you know, he's been lost now. Um, But I think the worst thing about this case is the fact that he did everything right. You know, on this show, you know, we talk about different cases and we're like, oh, you know, they should have called the police or they should have pressed charges or he should have put, she should put him in jail or whatever. He did everything right. He called 911. He reported the instances. He told somebody close to him, his dad. He talked to his dad about it. You know, he filed for a peace order. But unfortunately, the person who was tasked with the responsibility of making that decision, Judge Russell, made a poor choice and clearly was not competent enough for the office that she held. Is she still, did they not suspend her ass after that? She suspended Okay, all right. Yep. All right. Good. Yep. That. That's um. That's tough to. That's that's a tough um ending to sort of chew on. It's like. Like what you said. I mean, he did everything right. So like what. And it's not like you're in a, you're in an apartment complex. So it's not like you could just like you feel for your safety. So you have you can get up and leave. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, yes, you could technically break your lease, but then you're looking at, like, fees, and, you know, maybe he didn't have the means to, like, do that or get up and move, or maybe he was just that good of a person that he thought, you know, maybe he just saw what he thought was the best in someone and didn't think anything, and, you know, wouldn't think that he would be capable of doing anything like that. Um, So that's tragic. um, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. She's not suspended. Um, a, spokeswoman, a spokeswoman for the Maryland Judiciary said that the Court of Appeals will decide whether they're going to suspend Russell by August 31st. But Russell right now is still serving in her capacity as a judge, but has been temporarily relocated pending a decision by the Court of Appeals. So she's actually in the uh, in Arundel um, Court of Appeals right now. Huh. Okay. Well. Which is Maryland's highest court. Ah. Oh. Great. So, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Great. Perfect. So, it's you another know. another good one for Marilyn there. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But um I knew this one would be a downer, but I wanted to cover that case because it's like 
I feel like a lot of times people are really quick, myself included and you included, you know, we do the, we do this all the time. We're quick to kind of criticize victims for what they could have done better in the situation. But sometimes it truly is a situation that you cannot navigate because you don't have the, you're just not equipped with the, the, the knowledge of what's going on in right. somebody else's apartment right. underneath you because you don't know what's going on. Unfortunately, you don't have a hidden fucking camera. Uh, and you don't exactly, know what's going on exactly. with their fucking shit. How would you fucking know? How would I fucking know what you're doing downstairs, neighbor? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know, would I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I don't know what you fucking do is what they tell you. So. Okay. Yeah. But um, it's always tough to cover cases that are super recent because I just like, my heart just breaks for his family and for everybody who who knew him and who was involved with him and worked with him and... You know, we're friends with him, and yeah, he sounded like he was a really cool, really cool guy. So, yeah. rest in peace, Tyree Cutson. Okay, so I knew that that was going to be a hard case for everybody, and uh, I came prepared with a way to lift our spirits a little Alcohol? bit. Yeah, no, not that. <laughs> take wow, a, that was trying a to take quick, a break. That was a that was a, a quick reaction. Yeah, no, nope, nope, can't do it, can't do that. Taking a break from that. Um, with humor. Oh, which okay. Which is the best way to heal yourself. Uh, yep, it's the best way to mask your depression. <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah. So we're going to kind of dig into, before we leave you guys, you know, completely devastated. Um, we are going to give you some fun, practical knowledge. This is the practical knowledge section of the podcast. Called 12 Ways to Kill Your Upstairs Neighbor with Their Own Bongos. Oh, wow. (laughs) With their own bongos, because every neighbor should have a bongo. Bongos. So for this, we have to thank McSweeney's Internet Tendency, and they actually have their own Patreon that you can check out and support them. They have a bunch of, like, really funny, interesting things. And this particular article is by Mallory E. Land-Smith. Okay, so, do you want to you read the first one? Yes. <clears throat> Twelve ways to kill your upstairs neighbors with their own bongos. One, repeatedly smack your neighbors over their heads with their own bongos, achieving the sort of rhythmic consistency that they have yet to manage in the seven weeks since they moved upstairs. Number two, break the bongos, find a particularly pointy piece of wood, and stab the upstairs neighbors. While this method is on the obvious side, One cannot expect the sort of creativity it would take to hypnotize them into stabbing themselves at 3 a.m. One must consider the circumstances at hand. Number three. There is a poetic beauty in fatally muffling these meddlesome noisemakers who don't have the decency to play someone else's practiced and processed, commercially digestible music. Remove the skins from the heads of the bongos and suffocate your neighbors. Number four. For these posturing pseudo-beatniks, a variation on the cement shoe and Chicago overcoat method gives a period-appropriate nod to your pretentious posers. Knock your upstairs neighbors unconscious with the bongos, slouch the limp body in the standard-issue residence furniture that seems incredibly suited to short people despite the fact most people have hit their growth spurt by 18. Place the two feet in each upside-down bongo, cement into place, and once firm, toss the neighbor into the Bow River or Elbow River as you prefer. Five. 
advertise via a Facebook event that their room is hosting a drumming gathering with free craft beer. Leave your phone number as the contact since the buzzer only sometimes works in your building and buzz anyone up who is interested. When the crowd finds out there is no free beer to lull the ache of the bongo playing, they will turn on the players. Number six. Ah, garroting. An incredibly popular form of street murder through the 18th and 19th centuries, and a method that deserves a comeback. As this was originally executed by choking the offender with a piano wire, this is only achievable with a more traditional bongo, where twine or cord is used to add tension to the skin of the drum. 7. Thumbscrews? Thumbscrews! Remove the lugs or hooks, as you may prefer to call them, which are the metal mechanical replacements for a twine tension system. Affix the bongo bashers to an uncomfortable dining chair, which comes with any standard issue res room with furniture designed to not be sex compatible, and use half bongos to cut the arms to the desk securing them with duct tape or drilling them onto the particle board dining table if you wish to see a secure closure. Proceed with the thumb screws. Eight, make them eat the bongos. All right, so this one might or might not kill them, but imagine the immense pleasure of knowing that they will have stomach splinters which could lead to tears in the stomach lining, infection, and death. Nine, Skin and stretch their hides out over the drums so that you can have the pleasure of beating them whenever you please. 10. Disassemble the bongos and use the wood as kindling to begin building a fire around a signpost. Find some twine and use the lug hooks to anchor the twine to the ground. They have been perpetually half-baked on stanky low-quality weed that they have diffused without any good hitters to share, so use this opportunity to finish the job. 11. With a sledgehammer, detach the two bongos from their center block and turn the himba, the larger of the two drums, on the floor. Place the neck of one upstairs neighbor on the himba, place the macho over the neck, and sledgehammer the smaller drum into the larger one, severing the head. And for number 12, wait for them to die from the built-up pressure from not getting laid. This should only take a few months at most, as indicated by their heart murmurs, spasmodic, palming, flat-palmed, smacking, and fingering pianotage that they do not have the crescendoing rhythmic capacity to keep a lover, any lover, ever. And there you have it. There are 12 ways to kill your upstairs neighbors with their own bongos. Mm Mm-hmm. I would recommend you not do anything that we just said. (laughs) Please. Just going to say as a disclaimer, don't. Just, you know what? Move. Just move. Just move. Just move. That's all we ask. All right, folks, I think that does it for our episode today. Uh, if you want to stay up on all the bullshit, you can find us on Instagram at The Haunted Heart Podcast, on Twitter at The Haunted Heart, and you can also find us on Facebook. If you search The Haunted Heart Podcast, like our Facebook page on uh, on Facebook, and then go ahead and join our Facebook group, because right now, for the month of July, we are doing a super cool scavenger hunt that's actually based on the show. Uh, in the Facebook group. So there's like, if you join, you'll see the pinned post. It's at the top of the group page. And there's um, 37? How many? 
30, there's 31 days. There's 31 days. <laughs> there's 31 days in July. This just in. Uh, there's 31 days. So there's 31 prompts, one for each day. But you can do them. Um, you can always do old dates, but just don't move any further ahead. So for example, if it is the 5th of July, you can do anything numbers 1 through 5 whenever you please. But do not do number 6 until it's the 6th of July. Because we said so. There are rules on the page. Just fucking read through them. But basically, join the Facebook page. It's super fun. We do little events like this. We also do lives on there from time to time. So it's it's a really cool community. And if you love the show, then you will probably love the motherfuckers on that page. Mm -hmm. So um, come party with us there. And then uh, if you would like to support us and support the show, you can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thehauntedheart. And you can join. There's a bunch of different tiers um, that you can join to support. Don't forget, we will be in Chicago next weekend um, on Saturday the is 13th. That the fucking, oh, it's the 13th? Yeah. Oh, 13's my lucky number. Cool. Yeah. It's not Friday cool. the 13th, though. But Yeah. yeah. You know, we'll take what we can get. Uh, Saturday the 13th, we are in Chicago at the Marriott Downtown at Magnificent Mile. And we're hanging out there for the True Crime Podcast Festival. You can still get tickets, I believe, at www.tcpf2019.com. Uh, if you want to come to the show, that is awesome. But regardless of whether you come to the show or not, we will be hosting a meetup in the hotel bar. It's a joint meetup between us and the uh, Paranormal Chicks podcast. So um, we're going to be in the hotel bar sometime. We'll post on our social media and we'll have updates for you guys next week um, on next week's episode. But basically, if you're in the Chicago area, give us a shout out. Let us know that you're planning on coming and we will be planning on a seeing you. You right. We gonna get all of it ready for you. Mm-hmm. I done lost eight Listen. pounds for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gained ten. <laughs> Just redistributing. Yeah, we do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, guys. Until next time, you know what you gotta do. We say it every week. You have got to stay, stay spooky. spooky. Don't kill your name.